Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest-running football show. My name is Jack Donnelly and we've got plenty to discuss on today's show, if we can even get past the chaos that Celtic Football Club have found themselves in. Today I'm joined by two of our best and Struan Garvey and Sean McGill. Good to have you lads, how are we today? Happy knowing we're one of the best. I like that. <laughs> I know, eh? I well, didn't know that was the case, but thanks. Well, I mean, you're, you're the, only, the only ones that responded to my message in the group chat, so <laughs> by that volition, yeah, it goes for that. By default, be. come on. <laughs> <laughs> how you like it, mate. It's how Celtic fans like winning leagues, do you know what I mean? Like, just by default. Yeah. Oh. Not this season. Not. <laughs> no, probably not this season, eh? Uh, we'll start with this week's big question to kick off the show, and it's coming after Eden Hazard sustained yet another injury for Real Madrid and was forced off the pitch in a side's 2-1 home loss to Alaves early in the first half. For players like Hazard and someone like Antoine Griezmann, who I mentioned on Extra Time last week, they are victims of transfers that uh, just haven't worked out for them while still being excellent players. Who is right, So the question is, who is one player who you wish had never made the move to the team that stunted their career, I suppose? Maybe not ruined mm. it, but stunted oh. it. So who, who's kind of been the biggest let down while still being a good player so they're at like a good level but then it just didn't work out for them in a transfer I think I could genuinely produce about 17 answers yeah. from United alone but and other clubs but I think I'd go for Alexis Sanchez coming coming from Arsenal to Man United because at the time you know he was one of the best players in the Premier League Arsenal's best player Absolutely phenomenal. You know, it was a swap deal for Henrik Mkhitaryan, who was a good player to to be fair himself. But it, it kind of looked at the time like, you know, how 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 are Man United pulling off a deal like this? And then you kind of saw four hundred grand a week, and you thought, oh, that's a bit iffy. But um, it it was just absolutely terrible, and it has basically killed Alexis Sanchez's career. I mean, he, he is now at Inter Milan, but you just you just never hear about him anymore. To be honest, from being one of the best players we've seen in the Premier League in the last decade, to just nothing is basically just become obsolete and I think what kind of summed it up yesterday was um I'm sure again we'll talk about later on was that Edison Cavani has now equaled Alexis Sanchez's Premier League goal total for Man United and Odin Agallo has equaled the Man United goal total as well I think wow as a deal that worked out but uh, uh, yeah you make a very compelling argument for Alexis Sanchez to be honest would you, would you st- still argue that his greatest performance was him playing the piano in his announcement video or has, has that joke been used to death at this point? Do you know what? I, I would always normally argue back with that and that he had two very, very good performances for United in the 3-2 against Man City and the 2-1 against Tottenham in the FA Cup semi-final. But I would still probably have the piano over that because other than that, he did absolutely nothing. That's just what goes to show what happens when you put additional skills on your CV. You just get absolutely rinsed for them. Sean, who are you thinking for this question? Shane Duffy. <laughs> A very highly thought of Premier League centre back, and now look at the state of. <laughs> I didn't expect it. I didn't expect to hear saying that. I don't know. Should, this early. Should, I don't know. Should I think of a proper answer? Um, I get that is true though. To be fair, the reputation no, he, like he came to Scotland with, the fact that it's so in the mud now, is has been a it's massive fall from grace. It's in the mud. He he should have been the best centre back in the Scottish league at the moment. I think, given how good he was for Brighton, you know, a, a Premier League side and stuff like that, I think he definitely should have been the best. But it's not even the best at Celtic. Is he is he even anywhere near Declan Gallagher? That is a real question. Even uh, I would rather have Declan Gallagher at the moment. Like, same, one hundred percent. There we go. But I could need them. Yeah. I'll go with Shane Duffy then. I like that answer now. Now you've settled on that. <laughs> We've had a decent enough chat about it. I had a couple, to be honest. I think from, from me, it's all, it's always kind of going to end up looking back at Chelsea and there's a fair few that we could talk about. But it, ha- it has to be Fernando Torres. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, one, one of the best strikers in the world during his time at Liverpool and was really... He had, had the world at his feet with what he could do with his career. Signed in the January for um, Chelsea, £50 million. Scored one goal for Chelsea in the end of the rest of that season, which was depressing to say the least, and just never hit the heights that he had at Liverpool. And Chelsea fans still expected so much from him, hoped for so much from him. He got his moment. He did have his stellar moment with the the breakaway goal in the Champions League semi final at the New Camp, 
Gary Neville orgasm. The Gary Neville orgasm. That we, well, I mean, one of many that Gary Neville's had over the years. Clearly. Yeah, I think that was the most notable orgasm for Gary Neville, though. Oh, no. The, the Rashford free kick was quite good last season. True. I, but did it reach Fernando Torres' level? No, I don't Maybe think Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how you knew he should have been like that level of player throughout the entire... If Fernando Torres had been consistent as he was for Chelsea... Uh, as he was for Liverpool, do we even get a Gary Neville orgasm? I don't know if we do. Do you mean that maybe the fact that it was Torres who had been rubbish? Yes, that, 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 that might add to it and the fact that Chelsea had mm. kind of all been battling back throughout that Champions League campaign. I mean, the um, kind of return against Napoli, they had to fight from being down. Barcelona again, you just thought that Barcelona were going through and then Chelsea just went up the other end with Torres. And I think it because it was Torres and he just... So casually, oh, somebody's got a delivery there. Like, <laughs> doorbell in the background. Uh, somebody he, he rounded uh, Victor Valdez, who was a, fa- a phenomenal goalkeeper in his day, and just no one really expected it because it was Fernando Torres. So I, d- I don't know. For me, for me, he just should should have been much better than what it was at Chelsea, and it was really sad to see him decline the way he did. I'll just on you go. Can I throw another name into the mix? I was thinking as well. Go on, man. I, th- I think I think Philip Coutinho's got to be mentioned, given at Liverpool he was he was basically De Bruyne of the league at the time. He was absolutely incredible, and then Barcelona just didn't work out at all for him. I mean, there's a few mm. players you could argue it's just the exact same for Barcelona. Yeah, true. Like with Van Belly and such. I think I think Neymar's move to PSG is also a bit questionable, personally. I was going to chuck in Mario Gotza. Uh, he was coming off winning the sorry scoring the winning goal in a World Cup final, and then made the move to to Bayern Munich, and was really sort of meant to be kind of the heir to Messi, the next sort of big thing in football. And it's just his move to Bayern Munich really really didn't work out, and he's now in Holland, isn't he, for PSV? Mm. Yeah, that's not for you. He returned Bayern to Dortmund as well yeah, after did. Bayern Munich Bayern for a wee bit. Still didn't work, so... I think, he, I think he's one of them who just made the move too early mm. at such a young age and then just couldn't quite reach the expectations. I had a bit of an, a niche shout, I suppose, as well as well as Fernando Torres. Uh, I like that. Florian Tovan. Mm. Oh, Newcastle legend. <laughs> now, I, I, feel, I feel like the only reason that I know of like the kind of pedigree of this man is because I've got a mate from back home who's a Newcastle fan. If Scott Brown is listening, cheers, cheers for this extra knowledge. That I Scott Brown listens to the show. He might want to tune out later. <laughs> not, not that Scott Brown. Uh, <laughs> but because he was a Newcastle fan, I felt like I was kind of getting everything back from a Newcastle point of view. And Tovan kind of came in to Newcastle, as did many of their recruits from League One, and he was just thoroughly underwhelming. He just was not what Newcastle had expected from. He had his moments where he was brilliant, but then ended up moving back to Marseille and has been kind of one of the outstanding players in, in the league out with the kind of natural uh, selection out of PSG he's kind of been one of the top wingers in the French league for a mm-hmm. couple of seasons now so pedigree was there, the talent was there but just the timing was potentially off in the situation itself so potentially could have propelled Newcastle into a more glamorous position than they currently sit who knows I guess you could just look at like the Golden Boy Awards and you could pretty much every second one would be almost yeah, a field chance. So like yeah. Joao Felix, Renato Sanchez going to Bayern Munich didn't work out, Mario Gotts didn't Anderson. work out. Anderson, best Brazilian to touch the to, to grace the Premier League. Some may say, others may say he was he didn't fulfil that potential. Others may say when he moved back to Brazil he genuinely needed oxygen when he was coming off the pitch as a sub. Potentially. You could you could make the point Pogba. Potentially made the wrong move to go to Man United from Juventus. Uh, who Delit potentially going to Juventus was maybe not the best shout either. Maybe, yeah. There's that. I think I think that one's a bit early to see. There's a number of different places we could go with this, but we've only got room for a couple of suggestions from each of us, which we've had. So we're going to start things off proper on today's show up here in Scotland, as we couldn't really not. Uh, we need to discuss the news. Uh, there's I've I've heard uh, news boys that there's been a brand new circus opening up. Uh, just where Celtic Park used to occupy in Glasgow. Um, <laughs> I really hope there's no Celtic fans that listen to this podcast. I'm going to get investigated. Uh, truth be told, it's an absolute mess at Celtic just now, isn't it? Uh, for those unaware, for those that aren't uh, clued up on the situation, 
Uh, the league champions hosted Ross County in the last 16 of the Betfred Cup yesterday and were thoroughly underwhelming as the Staggies ran out as 2-0 winners, making it Celtic's first loss, first cup loss in 37 games, I want to say. They had 36 wins in a row, mm-hmm. and now they've lost in the 37. Dumping them out of the League Cup, and meaning for the first time since 2017, someone other than Celtic are winning this competition. Struan, what do you make of this? I think this just sums up Celtic's season, doesn't it? Just... Pretty poor. I mean, Ross County are not in the greatest of forms at the moment either, ninth, are they? Uh, yeah, three points off eleventh, I believe. They had a good start to the season. I, I still highly rate Ross Stewart. I think he's a very good striker, but you, you would have expected, even with the form Celtic have got, you would have expected them to at least win this game. But I think that's absolutely dreadful, and I think almost the sucker punch to it is if Celtic now look at the final eight teams. You've got you know, Rangers probably were the favourites to begin with anyway, but now you look at the likes of Hearts and Aberdeen being eliminated. You've just got to think now, more than likely, it will go to Rangers this season, and and I think it just it's just summing up Celtic season completely. Another dreadful performance all round, but but Lennon Lennon stays. It seems, <laughs> it, it despite seems, what the Celtic fans seems. want. Uh, I mean, Sean Celtic have now only won two of the last ten matches in all competitions. <laughs> <laughs> Lennon's face That's not the ten in a row they wanted. <laughs> uh, he's facing ceasing fan pressure for it to lose his job, and there have mm-hmm. been a number of differing opinions as to how Celtic find themselves in this position. But what what do you make of the current situation with Celtic just now? I mean, is it solely Lennon's uh, problem to fix, or are there a number of other factors in play here? That's a lot to unpack. Um, I don't think it, you can ever say it's solely the manager's fault and it's a manager who has had success at that football club so um, there's been some suggestions that um, Celtic were very keen to keep hold of their star players like Sir Edward and Cham, Ayer and uh, they maybe wanted moves in the summer but they kept them in the hope of uh, securing the 10 and now these players are maybe underperforming, they're not hitting the heights that they previously were because they don't really want to be at Celtic, was that uh, the wrong move on part of the board, should they have sold them on and invested in younger, more hungry players. Well, they didn't like Sir David Turnbull, but it doesn't get a game. Uh, and there's been scaling back at Celtic in a number of departments for a very long time, uh, trying to cut costs. And like I said on a previous show, they they just seem to be, uh, they just try to be better than Rangers. That's been their aim over the last few years. Is to just keep their head above water rather than really kicking on and being all that Celtic could be, considering the size of that club. Um, but I, I've said the last three or four defeats that that's surely it for Lennon um, and it doesn't seem to be it, it looks like he's, he's going to be here for the game on Thursday against AC Milan which I think I don't think he'd even lose if I don't think he would get sacked if they lose that because it's away to AC Milan so I reckon he's still got a wee bit of time around and the pressure builds in the scenes last night it, it, while funny also quite dangerous yeah. and uh, just completely unacceptable really from Celtic fans. Um, embarrassing as well for a club of that stature. I mean, the, the, I understand that it's a very big season, but considering the success that those fans have been spoiled with, spoiled with over the last nine years, especially the last three, to win every single trophy, and I know that they, didn't, they weren't outside Celtic Park just because they lost that game to Ross County. It's, like Stuart said, two wins out of their last ten, but during a pandemic, to get outside and start lobbing things at cars of players and officials, it's just like disgusting, really. I'm channeling that inner Conor McGregor and launching fences. Oh, they're all Irish, I guess. I mean, it's, you, talk, you talked on it there. I mean, I was just going to get on to explaining that. I mean, tensions were that high after the defeat that everything just boiled over into a state of just blind rage. And massive fans just gathered outside Celtic Park last night calling for Lennon and the board, the likes of Peter Ball and stuff. They just to be removed from the club immediately. Can I just say quickly that a minority of Celtic fans just before I, oh, yeah, uh-huh, like I was making a sweeping yeah. statement over, because I, I was more to protect myself there, I was just that minority of Celtic fans were completely It was, it was a minority, you're right, yeah. Stuff. Thank you for making me realise that I probably should say that as well. It was me as well. I... <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, when we're talking about the Celtic fans here, we are just meaning that minority who have mm-hmm. just overreacted. The way, the way I see it, because I'm in the same boat as you, Sean, I mean... When you, especially up in Scotland, I mean, when we support clubs that don't 
win trophies very often. I mean, in my case, never. Um, it just Literally. seems a bit like a lot of uh, a lot of fuss about nothing. To be honest, I mean, the thing thirty five, I think, consecutive wins, thirty five or thirty six consecutive wins in cup competitions. You lose one, and I understand that it's a volatile situation because of the expectation that's been built up around the club, and especially in the year of all years for the club. I can understand the anger and the frustration, but they've not they've not had really had to slum it in the lower leagues and beg for a promotion fight or hope they don't get relegated down to League One. It's it just seems a bit a bit over a bit of an overreaction in my eyes, but I'm just grateful every day that I wasn't brought up an old firm fan. And I genuinely mean that just because I don't think it's it's a completely different footballing experience. Your outlook on the sport is literally completely different. And uh, yeah, I'd much rather the sort of mediocrity with the odd exceptional high and exceptional low than getting knocked out of one league cup and having a complete and utter meltdown. But we need to praise Ross County, I think. Uh, and yeah. I'm, uh-huh. I'm sure you're going to get on to that, Jack. That, like Struan said, Ross Stewart is such a good player. Um, Sorry, Erling Holland, to... you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Erling Holland wishes, wishes he could be Ross Stewart. Um, <laughs> it's a statement you never thought you'd say. We make some mental comparisons on this show. <laughs> so bad. Um, aye. But County, in horrendous form, lost a 10-man Kilmarnock last week to bounce back and to win at Celtic Park where not many teams win, to knock Celtic out of cup for the first time since 2017. It's just a phenomenal achievement and um, I praise to Ross County and um, it was fairly easy to be honest. Celtic really didn't uh, trouble Stuart and Goals and the other Stuart. Um, and uh, just a lot of Stuarts and a lot of Rosses in that team. Yeah, it's really confusing. <laughs> um, what was I going to say there? And um, uh, Lennon said after it's a penalty and a set piece, which has been the story of their season. But yeah. I really don't think you'll see an easier set piece goal than the late winner there for um, McAvity. It's just like, so easy. <laughs> what do you call it? I don't know what I called him. I just said words and hoped that nobody noticed. <laughs> <laughs> his name is a. Uh... We'll see. I'm, I, I, Iacovetti. I will see. Jimmy McIntosh put McVitie in the which made me think of the biscuits. I'm really annoyed that my pun never get picked up by anybody. What was that? It, he said McVitie or something just scored, and I just went, "Well, Lennon, that's the way the cookie crumbles." And made me pick up on it. <laughs> I saw that. I was, I was, I was, I was raging because I was that quick with it. <laughs> just nothing get picked up. I'm fuming. Uh, I mean, another, another player that got kind of picked up from the Ross County side yesterday was Stephen Kelly, who uh, Jordan Campbell wrote in an article <laughs> Did he? About. Was that you? <laughs> no, it, it was. Jordan Campbell did, mate, but I responded no. to it because I was like that. I, w- I want to big up my United boys and <laughs> I get a chance. And he liked my response. So, there we go. Lovely. More mm. engagement from the athletic at Energy Sport. We do love to see it. Uh, no, he... I, I, I was kind of annoyed that he he kind of went to Ross County and then wasn't getting played in the first part of the season. I thought, why waste a talented player just by sitting him on your bench when he should be getting first-team minutes? And hopefully a performance like that is going to see Kelly getting some more game time at Ross County. But it was all kind of overshadowed yesterday by that minority of Celtic fans that in a, in a global pandemic, we have to have to make the point again, It's, it's and Glasgow's Tier 4, so exactly there isn't any mm-hmm. cause for that... Um, for that level of gathering, so slapping the wrist from Nicholas Sturgeon, I'm hoping. Even I'd personally <laughs> I'm, I'm say, I'm coming across like a dick of the day's podcast. <laughs> I'm just I'd personally say, pandemic or not, maybe don't throw things at people's cars. Don't know. Uh, how, yeah, how no, that's fair. You guys feel about that one? Might, but might not be the I best just, idea. Might not I, be the best. And I, I'm looking forward to somebody else winning the league cup. I hope it's Alawa. I don't know if it's Rangers, but it'll be. A good laugh to have. I always thought that um, I'd be a little bit jealous of the team who stopped Celtic's trophy run. I kind of thought are you, that. It would... Are you jealous of Ross County today? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying it's funny. I don't know if it's just because of circumstances, but it's all. But you just know, like, the idea of you being the team. Say, like, I went along to Rugby Park. We it's got like breaking the Arsenal's we... Invincibles. Isn't yeah, it? it's yeah. something fun, isn't it? It's like, it's like the scenes at Tynecastle when Hearts beat them, Celtic 4 0 to stop their yeah. Invincibles. Uh-huh. Uh, I always kind of like had it back. How nice would that be if I don't know we get Celtic at Rugby Park in the cup or something like that, and you're there and you actually are the first team to beat them. And... See if it was us, I don't think I'd ever shut up about it. Oh, you'd have to just keep going <laughs> about it. And... <laughs> I'd just be like walking out every podcast. Uh, boys, do you might mind the time that uh, he beat Celtic at <laughs> Parkhead four 0 Magic. 
But I'm sure if Ross County had fans, that would be the same for them. But unfortunately, <laughs> they're the only club, in the, the only club that can actually have fans at the moment. It's true. Anyway, mm-hmm. but did the home the... game since then? No, because they got beat off. Us I don't know. It was, it was a Levy, Levy draw that fans got into, wasn't it? At the start of November. Was that another test event though? Can't remember. I think it was. Whatever it was. Good for them. Good for Ross County. It's it's nice to see. Hopefully, who did they get? Okay. That's bad. I've not seen the draw. <laughs> uh, Livingston was it not? Was it, was was it not? Yes, Livingston because they pumped air. Yeah, because I think that was the only Premiership tie. I think. Uh, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah. So um, we're going to move on. Um, so it's all the League Cup's obviously not going to be arriving at Celtic Park this season, but it still could arrive in Glasgow. I mean, Celtic's uh, Celtic's main rivals, obviously Rangers, travelled away to League One side Falkirk and unsurprisingly realised, uh, really walked out of that encounter as winners, claiming the last place in the quarterfinals of this competition. Defoe opened the scoring before Calvin Bassey got his first goal for the club. Borna Barisic added a goal of the month contender, I'm sure, Sean, uh, before James Tavernier uh, capitalised on his hot streak of form to score the final goal. Sean, are Rangers going all the way? In the Betfred Cup? Yes. Um, they're the favourites. I don't want them to, but um, Stephen Gerrard's never won a trophy at Rangers, despite all the success, despite sort of really turning around that club, and this is a fantastic opportunity to get one, um, and uh, this would be his first opportunity at one. So, um, aye, they're, they're certainly the favourites. We saw that, although they're playing a League One side in Falkirk, which is still really fun to say, um, they played a, a much weakened team. Calvin Bassey had a shift at centre back. Zungu played. It was Defoe and Itten, and it was still comfortable scoring within six minutes from a lovely Jermaine Defoe finish. Is going to do that, and. Uh, Stephen Gerrard will know now, uh, like Strun said, with Hibs being the only really sort of uh, big threat, you would say. O- obviously, any team can beat Rangers on their day, um, but Hibs will be the team they're looking to avoid. Hopefully, they'll be hoping that they maybe drop out before uh, Rangers dr- get drawn against them, and then it'll just be, a, a you'd think, a fairly clean, clear run for Rangers. You, you would think so, and Struan, Sean touched on it there, I mean, Stephen Gerrard, he's had questions after the fact that he's yet to win a trophy at Rangers yet, but I suppose that speaks for the dominance of Celtic more than it does of what he's been able to do at Rangers, he's been fantastic in transforming this team into a team that can compete and can topple uh, the reign of the green side of Glasgow. How, how many demons would this, this put, of, put at bay if the League Cup was to arrive at Ibrox for the first time since 2011? Yeah, I think massive. As, as Sean said, Gerard still hasn't actually won a trophy yet now in his third season at Rangers. And I think he's probably one of the very few managers in Rangers history to go that long without winning at least a single trophy. But I, th- I think that is credit to how good the Celtic team have been, to be to be perfectly honest, despite how, how poor things are going at the moment. But I think it would be massive as well. It would be his first trophy of his managerial career. <laughs> his first ever league title of his entire <laughs> career as well, which will be massive. for uh, League Cup... Oh, I've messed that one right up. Anyway, it was managerial career. I think, yeah, it'll be huge for him. I think it'll be very rewarding. You know, that, that Rangers team at the moment are absolutely fantastic. And it would, it would almost be unfair for them to, to not win it in that sense, given, you know, it's been a, a three-year project and some to build this Stephen Gerrard side the way it is. And I think, I think it just shows the depth as well. They could genuinely win this tournament and rest three, four, five, six of their of their main players the entire way through. It just just shows how strong they really are, especially with their main focus still being on the league and a very very good position in Europe so far. It is crazy to think like they just you can't really see any problem with Rangers at the moment, and I don't, I don't like it because it just it just seems to be changing hands from one old firm club to another, and and I don't like that. Give give us something different. Give us Saint Mirren going on, going on an absolute tear, like before before you give us another old firm club going on a tear. Uh, it's, I think it's considering that when Rangers were out the leagues and Celtic did have that run of dominance or in terms of league titles, that the trophies, the cup competitions, were largely won by clubs out with the old firm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that was a, a fun time. And I'd, I'd like to, there's a good chance, I mean, look at the odds, there's a good chance that it will go to someone out with the Glasgow this season. Um, and hopefully it stays that way. I would like to see somebody else pick up a, a trophy. Not Hibs, but somebody else. Speaking of, uh, they were the only Edinburgh club that made it through to the round of 16. 
after Hearts suffered an extra time loss away at Alawa, who they had just defeated in league action last Tuesday. It was an Alan Troughton penalty in the second half of extra time that erased any chance of an early cup run this season for Robbie Nielsen's side. Our man Jamie McIntosh was there, and you can find his match report over on Energy Sport. But, Sean, did we expect this result after the after the league action midweek, or did we really think that it was going to be a tougher test for Hearts? Um... I, I, I thought Hearts would win this game. Obviously, you've got to go to the Indoor Stadium and play on the plastic pitch. You've got to play in the shadow of the KFC that you can see from the stadium. And I did think that uh, it would be a slightly tougher game, but Hearts are certainly still the favourites. And it's a, a run of games now where... Well, it's a run of games, it's a run of seasons really where Hearts players are just severely underperforming considering the talent in their squad and it's got to be worrying. A lot of Hearts fans on Twitter afterwards were saying it's like a, um, it was very much like a Craig Levine performance and not much has really changed and that is worrying after Massively. two managers in that time. Um, Hearts are probably still going to win the championship, they're probably still going to be a premiership team next season but you'd be hoping that they could do it in style that Robbie Nielsen would really impose himself on uh, the squad. And it kind of harks back to the fact that Dundee United fans weren't that bothered about losing Robbie Nielsen. They no. found him too pragmatic. He didn't have a plan B. It was all just the same. And there's nothing really to suggest from his early tenure in his second spell at Hearts that that's going to be different at all. So uh, interesting to keep an eye on. But a fantastic win for Alaba. First time they've ever beat Hearts in their history. And through to a cup quarter-final. Aye, absolutely, absolutely massive. Uh, just want to touch on the fact before we move on as well, Jake, Jamie was uh, rubbing shoulders with the stars at this game. Uh, you can actually see Jamie McIntosh on Joel Sked's Twitter. Nice. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to get on to Joel Sked in a little bit. Don't you worry. Um, speaking of repeat fixtures, uh, Hibernian defeated Dundee at home after having most recently played them in the group stage of this very competition. It was a Jamie Murphy strike in the first half that was enough to separate the two sides and ensure that Jack Ross's boys would be advancing into the quarterfinals. Satisfied with this one, Struan? Yep. Good good, good for Hibs to get a win. Some very, not poor performances recently, but some very bad results. I think that was the difference there. But it's good to see Jamie Murphy coming into form as well, and especially with no Paul Hanlon in the side. I think it's just it's a good job, especially after recent results, the likes of Hearts, Aberdeen and Celtic. I think it was good to get a win under the belts and a favourable tie, I guess you would have to say, against Aloha. But you would think so. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't exactly again, count so. Aloha out to be yeah. perfectly honest. I think I think it probably is the tie of the of the quarters. I mean I think I'd probably have to agree. Yeah. I think I mean closest in terms of cl- kind of closest in terms of quality, I mean you would argue that Livingston, Ross County and Dunfermline, Dunfermline versus St. Johnson on paper would both be more competitive, potentially in terms of kind of the level of where the two clubs are at. But Yeah, I like Pars versus St. Johnson. That's a really good tie as well. Mm-hmm. Just consider how good uh, Dunfermline are going. Ewan Murray, the centre-back, scores literally every week. Like I think he's on track to be the top <laughs> scorer in the champion. I know this is League Cup, but he scored again at the weekend. It's just Dom Thomas corner for a Ewan Murray he- header. That's all you need. That's all they need. We'll get, we'll come up. get a corner, it's pretty much a goal for them, Fairmonts. Top scores are always going to be defenders in all tiers this year, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, quite possibly. Uh, the performance of the weekend, though, in this competition has to go to Livingston, who swatted Air United aside in a 4 0 home victory in their first game without Gary Holt at the helm. Seated in, tuning in the wheel of management for the wheel of his bus. It was a joke, Chalmers. I'm going to mention that anytime I get the opportunity to just link it back to Gary Holt. Is Wheel of Management a thing? Not really, but you shoehorned it in there, don't you? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, what's such a Ole is at the wheel? True. Tell me how good does it feel? Not very. Not very, I'd wager. Um, it was a joke, Chalmers' own goal after four minutes before uh, defender Jack Fitzwater uh, followed up with two goals in six minutes to make it 3 0 to Livingston after 12 played. Uh, the damage was dealt even further after for- former honest man Alan Forrest twisted the dagger in the gut of Mark Kerr by scoring Livy's fourth in the 44th minute. Joel Sked, please never speak about Air United again. <laughs> you put air, air to win as a banker. Banker, and, oh dear. And you, you gave me faith, Joel. I, I'm not happy. <laughs> it was it, <laughs> All sides pointed towards Air potentially getting something out of this game. 
I mean, Gary Holt's just gone, who's been our best manager in recent memory, getting them to fifth last season. They're really just wayward in terms of results in the league. And most of their players are just un- underperforming. I mean, it made sense for Air to get a result, but we didn't. Sean, I take it you found this hilariously funny. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I was obviously at the football on Saturday and then after that just catching up with results and I just burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, did you not you notice I didn't respond to you in the group chat? Yeah. You asked me how Air got on. I was like, you know fine well how Air got on. Don't, don't get me started today. I just I knew you knew that I was busy, so I thought maybe I might get away with it. No. You thought I was generally asking that you'd have to admit it, but no, I did. I did know. I've gone um, to know you too well to know true. just never to trust a genuine question coming <laughs> from me. But I a great win for David Martindale and Livingston. Yeah, so. definitely. No, I can't can't be discredited because of their and because of my own personal bias that they were fantastic. And it was just, it was just really sad because I saw, I saw that fourth goal, then I saw Alan Forrest's name pop up, and I just put my head in my hands because just out, out of everyone. Your you, first love breaking your heart. Genuinely, yeah. Not just commonplace at this point for me. Just depressing. <laughs> Let's move on before I get myself into a hole. <laughs> We're going to chat about the biggest news coming from the Premier League over the weekend. We're going to start in the south coast on Saturday as Brighton scored a late penalty to earn a draw against Liverpool, with Jurgen Klopp being anything but happy in his post-match interview, where he really could have seemed to just go after Des Kelly, <laughs> uh, complain once again about broadcasters using his name for a headline by asking specific questions about injuries and the fixture schedule. Shun, what, what did you make of uh, Klopp's reaction as just demeanour in post-match? I mean, is it justified or is this him going a bit too far now? I think... I think his points are totally valid and, and I'm completely behind him and what he's saying. I think he's completely in the right in that sense. But I think almost it was just the frustrations just got to him and he, and he just went a bit over the top. It, it quite reminded me of these interviews in the past that we've seen with, you know, Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho, the, the famous, you know, I've won three titles and I prefer not to speak. And then, you know, when Guardiola and he was, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy more than you believe and stuff like that. It's almost, it just almost reached its boiling point. And I, and I can totally understand. I mean, James Milner, the man who didn't seem to be human, has actually picked up an injury, which I think is absolutely massive, given if there's ever a hole in that Liverpool squad, regardless, he, he tends to fill it. Yeah. So I, I think losing that has been massive for him. And I think as well, you, you, you the, the fitness and the scheduling is one concern, and then all the controversy with VAR. I mean, conceding two penalties in a game, having two goals chalked off from VAR. I think I think VAR was correct in all of them, to be perfectly honest, but I think Salah's one at least should have been given the benefit of the doubt. But not clear and obvious as such. But yeah, I can understand his frustrations, but I think it was a bit too far. I didn't exactly like the the argument between him and Chris Wilder, almost. I, I, I think that's very unprofessional, just for two managers to be sort of in that sort of debate. Mm. But... Yeah, I can completely understand the frustrations, but I think it was maybe a little bit over the top. I can understand the frustration, but we're getting to the point of pettiness for me. Yeah. Because, I mean, he was talking about VAR, and he was like that, so it's, oh, it's commonplace for us to have get have offside decisions go against us for armpits or club badges being offside, which I think I think was his words. So having a toe offside is actually one of the better ones we've had. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, like fair, but it's just, just a bit petty at this point. Also, does Jurgen Klopp know that Des Kelly doesn't pick the Premier League schedules? Des Kelly had to remind him of that multiple times, <laughs> and he still just didn't seem to pick it up whatsoever. Des Kelly's like, it's not me, I promise. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't do it. Broadcasters, it's, it's the governing bodies, you need to speak to them. And I think once he actually got that, Klopp just walked off. He was just done. But it's not even the fact that Klopp thought it was a broadcaster. He literally was like, "You, Des Kelly, yeah. have ruined everything." Des Kelly. Was he thinking when, when uh, it's well, who was it when off? Was it Milner who with the, with the hamstring? Yeah, Milner did his hamstring, yeah. and then I think Lallana did his as well. But obviously, other side. Des Kelly asked about that, and Jurgen Klopp just went, "Congratulations." <laughs> Is it's going to put some sort of like voodoo on James Milner. Look what you've done. <laughs> just brings it, James Milner up to him and points to the injury. Look, you caused this. I think he, I think he was meaning more in the sense that Des Kelly had asked. So it's like, oh, so James Milner's got a hamstring injury, it seems. And I think Klopp was being like quite sarcastic. Oh, congratulations! Like clearly that's the case. But I, think mm, but I wasn't sure. I thought it was maybe like the fact that because Des Kelly was sort of the face of the broadcasters in this uh, situation, and Klopp's been very vocal on the fact that these injuries are being brought about by uh, 
the fact that the Premier League or the broadcasters aren't giving them enough time to perform. I think it could be taken in both ways, but that's yeah. the way I interpret it. And I just think that Des Kelly made a really good point. Like if He dealt if with it well, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He did. If it's available for the broadcasters to pick up those times, then why wouldn't they? Like yeah. mm. if it's the Premier League which is made up by of the twenty twenty uh, clubs. Chief executives. It's not just it's not just uh, one club going through this, we need to remember. Yeah, it exactly. seems a lot stark because the headlines are focusing on the fact that Liverpool have got a lot more injuries than it would seem at the moment and they're getting a lot of our decisions against them. But that's not got anything to do with the fact that they're not the only club in this situation. They're not the only club that's having to manage fixture congestion. You look yeah, at uh, City, absolutely. Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal. They're all in Euro- they're all in European competitions. Ch- Spurs and, uh, and Arsenal and Leicester, they're all playing on Thursdays. So, I mean, if they've got a Saturday fixture, they've got even less time, so... I don't you, think could, they, you could use the Tottenham-Chelsea game and say, like, Tottenham had two days less rest. I know it's a weaker competition they were involved in, but, like, as far as scheduling goes, you know, they, it, they it were very badly done by it. It's not matter competition, though, Struan. It's the fact they're still playing 90 minutes. Yeah, exactly, no. Just, and so did Liverpool, just a day earlier, but... I actually agree with Jurgen Klopp, though. I do think that the Premier League should uh, put in place structures where there's... It should be like a decent amount of rest time. That is pretty brutal. On no, it is. Those, no, it is. That, that's players. the one thing. I do empathise completely. But I do agree that there is. should be some sort of. Well, not. I don't want to say like benefit to the um, kind of European clubs, but they kind of should have a little bit of leeway if if they want to promote the competitiveness and the fairness of this league as being one of the best in the world. Yeah. They do need and... to kind of honour the teams that are. Kind of taking it worldwide rather than just keeping it and keeping it on British shores. Yeah, but I just think Jurgen Klopp's barking up the wrong tree. But I'm glad he did because it was a brilliant highly, entertainment. Highly entertaining oh, yeah, yeah. interview. It was better than the game. <laughs> it was better than the game. Better right? than the game. Uh, yeah, but uh, I suppose one spark, one good spark from Liverpool in this game amidst just kind of a load of bad points to take away from it. Uh, Diogo Jota scored his fifth goal this season, just keeping that hot streak going again. Uh, I mean, he replaced Sadio Mane in the starting lineup after Mane was rested. What What do we reckon, though? Do we reckon uh, Jota should be a nailed-on starter regardless of who in the front line's free? Yeah, yeah, I think on form he can't be dropped. Like I think I think it's one of them where form is more important than that than who is the best player sort of thing. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think he just adds something different to Liverpool side who have been very used to the kind of front three combination of Salah, Firmino, and Mane for two or three seasons at this point so it's, it's providing a shake-up that perhaps he didn't know they needed until they got it and now he just kind of seems to be the liveliest player in the team which is fantastic for him considering he kind of came in and was almost expected to just be understudy to all three of them so yeah that's what it was sorry Jack that's what I was going to say that I just I thought that I think we all thought the the addition of Diogo Jota was a good one and he was going to provide very uh, capable cover for those uh, for, like you said, across that front three, but he's just been so good and forced his way into the team that um, that he ha- for me he has to start now. And it's credit yeah. to the recru- recruitment team at Liverpool. It's credit to Jurgen Klopp and the coaches for bedding in. It's credit to the player as well for uh, coming into for taking a step up. Uh, Wolves are a good team, but obviously he's now with the uh, Premier League champions, recent champions of Europe. And he doesn't look out of place at all. And he's still a very, very young player, only 23, isn't he? So, yeah. still a long way to go. I mean, I, I, I've, I've said it a number of times and I've kind of had to go back on my statement because when I, when he first signed, I questioned the signing not based on his ability because I knew he was a good player, but based on the fact that Liverpool had spent £45 million on an understudy. And mm. that didn't make much sense to me. But the fact that he's actually playing now and the fact that he's getting runs in the team and he's outperforming something like uh, Roberto Firmino, arguably, are... Uh, yeah, for, for me, it should be starting week in, week out at this point. He's clearly got ability. He's clearly not really got anything anything to be worried about in that Liverpool team, considering he kind of came in as an expected understudy. So he can kind of just play his natural game and anything, any any kind of prolonged time in the team at this point is a benefit because I don't think even he was expecting to be kind of dropped in it straight away. So credit to him as well for kicking on and showing what he can do and deserving the call-ups to the starting team. Elsewhere on Saturday, uh, Manchester City replicated last season's home result against Burnley, running riot and scoring five goals with Riyad Mahrez bagging his first City hat-trick. Struan, you made the point to me that City ha- that, uh, Burnley sorry, have a habit of lying down for City. Was this another, exa- another example of that? 
Yep, City absolutely dominate Burnley. It's it's such it's such a boring fixture. <laughs> like uh, it's it's strange because Burnley are very very good defensively. It's one of, one of the praises that Sean Dyche always has is that they're always very organised. And and you know two banks of four they defend really well, but against Man City they just come unstuck. I don't know if it's one of these ones where Guardiola always just has the better of better of Burnley and he, and he knows how to do it, but it's just constant. It's just constant Man City beating them. And even even on the fantasy um, Premier League app, I was very tempted to bring in City players just because I knew that they probably would uh, be scoring some goals. Yeah. But I, it was nice to see Riyad Mahrez getting some because very good player. Absolutely, definitely one of the. I'd I'd say he's probably one of the most underrated players in the league, to be honest. Just the way yeah, he's gone, because he was uh, he was one of the best when when he was at Leicester, but now he's not getting the game time as much as he was used to at City. Now, I feel, I feel like he's overshadowed a bit and not looked at as much. Uh, Sean, we're kind of speaking of uh, the fixture congestion for Klopp, but City are going to have to deal with it too. Obviously, still in the Champions League and competing cup competitions. Pep Guardiola's already been notorious for switching up his city starting eleven, and with that hectic winter schedule ahead, are we expecting things to get even more difficult to predict in terms of a Guardiola lineup in the coming weeks? Yeah, I think that bothers the, the ardent fantasy players more than it bothers <laughs> me, who <laughs> just likes to coast it out. I forgot again this week, but then Kevin De Bruyne have got me twenty points, so that's quite good. Um, I I think you'll have to sort of change things about. It's expected for. Uh, City. I think it's interesting that it's um, when Strun says that um, Burnley lie down for City, that's the fourth time in a row this fixture's been 5-0. <laughs> Funny that it's never been any less anymore, literally four 5 nils in a row, um, <laughs> which I think is great. Um, but I'm sure they'll be chopping and changing from Man City and they've got the squad to do that, even though I would say the City squad's thinner than it has been in recent years. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean... Losing Sani was a big loss and a big blow to take. Uh, Aguero obviously still isn't back to full mm. fitness. But you've seen a bit of like Silva as well. Well. boy in that. Aye, uh-huh. yeah, the, the, the young Delap. It's sort of like the the old guard of City, and that their first really good team that we saw under Mancini, and then a couple of years later, De Pellegrini is gradually disappearing. It's almost like Aguero was sort of and Fernandinho were the last remnants of it before it just completely becomes that Pep Guardiola side. So is this, a, is this a Manchester United fan talking about Manchester City history here? Well, recent history. <laughs> <laughs> Just make that point because I know you would want to. Uh, last night we saw another home loss for Arsenal as Wolves ran out as 2-1 winners with goals coming from Nuno Espirito Santos, Golden Boys, Pedro Neto and Daniel Pedenz. But it, everything in that game was kind of overshadowed by the fact that Raul Jimenez was stretched off the pitch after fracturing his skull in an aerial challenge with David Luiz. Now, I, I missed the challenge initially. I, I was, I can tell you, I had the game on. I went into my kitchen, was taking my washing down because uh, good domestic, domestic uh, lord I am. <laughs> so I, I came back in. I, lo- I looked at the screen and just saw everyone huddle around somebody in the Arsenal box and everyone kind of standing around not knowing what to do. I'm thinking, what's happened here? So I, I went and found the clip of the collision and I genuinely oh it was spine tingling just the sound of the of the connection you just knew instantly that it was bad like, it I haven't looked really back bad. for it I don't want to see it to be perfectly honest I mean it's not really so much seeing it like it's more just because the camera's kind of panning so you don't get a clear vision of just the connection but you just hear this almighty just and it's oh it's just spine it's, it gives you shivers Sean, what did you make of the kind of challenge if you've seen it in the situation as a whole? Yeah, I didn't see it live. I saw it in match the day, the day two. And um, it's, I, it's just, it really is sickening. Um, that thud is I, horrendous. And um, when the news came out this morning that he fractured his skull, my first thought I put in the group chat was that that's the injury that, um, that ended Ryan Mason's career. Correct. And... Uh, Stu made the point as well that it was Peter Cech played with a, a helmet Scott, after because, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is worrying for Raul Jimenez, who's such a fantastic player, has been such a joy since coming to, to English football. Um, so really, really do hope he's okay. And th- some interesting points raised on match day too about uh, David Luiz's continuation in that game. Yeah, I was, uh, I was just ridiculous. about to get into that, to be honest. Yeah, I don't see, there's blood literally pouring out of his skull. 
Michael, and this was the point that Alan Shearer was making, that Michael Arteta made the point that the doctors did the relevant uh, concussion protocols. And if that is the case, which you would imagine that doctors follow the protocols and the protocols aren't enough, there's no way that David Luiz should have played another second of that game after a, concl- a collision like that. Alan Shearer's done a documentary on dementia in football. I think you're three times more likely to um, end up with dementia if you are a professional footballer. Uh, Chris Sutton's been running a big yeah. campaign at the moment as well after his dad was diagnosed with dementia and it's something that football isn't taken seriously enough and uh, I don't know how many uh, legends, Bobby Charlton is one of them recently, is going to have to die with dementia before there's actual real change Honestly, yeah, not I, th- I think like I was just going to say, I, I, Charlton's still okay at the moment but um what I think was crazy is that they say they've done the checks on David Luiz. David Luiz is not going to say, take me off. You know, when when do footballers ever really just say, oh, I, I can't do it, you know, take, yeah. take me off. A footballer's going to play on, you know, like you look at somebody like Marcus Rash recently had a like a broken back effectively and he played on regardless, you know. A medical, like, they need to just take the initiative, you know, even if he passes the tests. He's wearing, like, I, I turned the game on because I wasn't actually watching it. And then hearing about the injury, I, t- I turned the game on to see this massive bandage and, and blood dripping from it. And you're just thinking, you know, that's that's like something out of the UFC. What, why is he still playing football? And he was going for headers. And you just think, that's absolutely crazy. That's like breaking your ankle and trying to still play on and like taking shots and stuff like that. It's absolutely ludicrous. It's generally breaking your leg. And, and, and then he did come it. off at halftime. And, and then you kind of wonder, why, well, delay why like did that, he play extra that's what I half understand. an hour? It's the if fact he passed that, the test, yeah. Uh, it was the fact that he stayed on the pitch for the rest of the half and then came off at half time. I'm thinking, why not just take the initiative, prevent any chance of this being aggregated further and made worse for David Luiz and turn the club? Just get him out, get him out the firing line, get him into safety, and just get Rob holding on at that point. It honestly, it blew my mind because I mean, I've seen David a lot, a lot. I've David a lot, a lot. David Luiz a lot, just over the years having played for Chelsea and everything. And I know kind of the player he is. He's fully committed, and he will. He's a fierce competitor. As, as has been shown. But surely at that point, the doctors and the manager need to overrule the players want to play. I mean, if you if you talk about player protection and wanting to maintain your kind of player's health and your player's fitness for as long as possible, you don't keep them out when they're in a situation like that or when they've gone through that kind of encounter. You get them off the pitch, you let them rest, and you find somebody else to fill in their job. It, it doesn't matter the fact that... Uh, they, doesn't matter the fact that it was early in the game. It was nil nil when the collision happened, so the scoreline hadn't been affected, and it wasn't exactly like that. Louise was a crucial component of the game at that point in time. You, you just take the initiative, and you think there's no point risking it. There's no point risking this getting any worse. Let's get him off. Let's use a sub now to make the same sub. What forty minutes later? Honestly, that it didn't make sense to me, and I'm a bit, I'm, I'm a bit annoyed. I'm more annoyed about it actually hearing myself speak about it than I am. Than I realised at the time, but it just made absolutely no sense. I think Connor Cody gave a really good post-match interview when it would the entire game. You know, Wolves have beaten Arsenal two-one at, at the Emirates. You know, it's a massive result for Wolves, but obviously everything was overshadowed by that incident. Hundred percent. And, and I think he just spoke very well about it. No, but I, I, I expected that from Cody. He, he's, Cody. Cody's a very, very well-spoken footballer and very good yeah. at being able to communicate messages like that. So, yeah, all hoping Raul Jimenez makes a speedy if. And if not speedy, just a full recovery. To be honest, because yeah. he's a fantastic talent, and he does it. He deserves to play the play the rest of his career as he would have wanted. Hopefully, this doesn't affect things too badly. That kind of covers all the biggest news in the Premier League. I mean, Stuart, unless you wanted to say anything about Edson Cavani uh, rescuing a uh, win from nothing uh, for Manchester United. That's good, really good performance. You know, James Ward-Prowse's free kicks are absolutely incredible. Look, what what a set piece he can take. And yeah, Cavani just kind of showed the player that Man United have been missing the past couple of seasons, and out and out number nine, and a real good performance from him. But yeah, I think I think bigger incidents over that game of the weekend. Yeah, and uh, shots on another stodgy defensive performance from Mourinho at Stamford Bridge, which I'm sure you would have loved to have seen. Yeah, uh, it was great fun. I think what the main point I made, so uh, which team this was better for, someone asked in the group chat uh, whether it was a better result for Chelsea or Spurs. Easily better result for Spurs. Because you look at it last season, Chelsea got a double over Spurs in the league last season, then spent all this money on attackers over the summer, and Spurs come to Stamford Bridge and get a nil-nil. So it just kind of shows the progress that they've made under Mourinho. And I think Mourinho said the fact that they went to the dressing room 
and the players were annoyed at the fact that they only came away with a point kind of says volumes about the mentality of that team so whether Jose Mourinho wants you to believe it or not I do genuinely believe that Spurs are in a title race this season but then again who isn't in a title race this season realistically this season of all seasons Arsenal Sheffield United <laughs> God bless Sheffield United let, let Chrissy Wilder go let Chrissy Wilder get a job elsewhere he deserves so much better uh, right we're going to come on to last ditch challenge this is where we just round up uh, the rest of the biggest news in football over the weekend from outside of the home nations and... Lowland League oh sorry you said home nations right I'll go... oh no, no 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 go on talk about Lowland League then fine if you're forcing me um... <laughs> go on tell us about Bonnie Nick Sean Sean what's for Bonnie Nick Seriously though, the oh, Lone no. League is the best division in Scotland. Like, what a laugh it is! And uh, uh, the big news coming out of that division at the weekend was that uh, previously unbeaten league leaders East Kilbride lost their first game of the season thanks to a 90th minute penalty from Boyne Rig Rose. And it's just the talent in that like that East Kilbride team has, for starters, Ian Durant's their assistant manager. So I was stood commentating directly above Ian Durant, which is a thing I never thought I'd say. Um, Paul Payton's on the pitch, Chris Erskine's on the pitch, Kyle Hutton's played over 50 times for Rangers, um, he gets sent off quite early in the second half. And it's just a cracking game of non-league football, that, um, just a, a brilliant advert for that league. And so I think there's two points between the top five now in the Lowland League. Oof. So you're talking about title races in the Premier League, that's a title race to be keeping your eye on. And I very much hope that it's Boyle Rig Rose who <laughs> uh, win that one. <laughs> That'd be something. Your first, your first year, your kind of first job in football, or your first yeah. involvement in a football club, and you win a league. That'd, that'd be something. Commentating on a game like that, like when you, the idea of I'm sure we've all thought about doing commentary and stuff like that, and the, like a 90th minute winner commentating on that was just like so much fun. Like, for for the winning teams, mm-hmm. yeah. like commentary as well. It's not even Graham's, descri- Graham's described it as that me and Amy doing our "What's the goalie doing, Tom?" voices. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need to watch these highlights after we're done here. You probably do. We did get really invested in that game just because of the stakes and the fact that it was quite like a physical game. So I think we maybe did uh, get sort of sucked into the partisan nature of club commentary. But oh well, we won. Oh well, move on. Uh, of course, this weekend, kind of all around, all around the world in terms of football, there were tributes held for the late great Diego Maradona, who we discussed in depth on Thursday's episode of Extra Time. Uh, but it was the the best tribute that I saw, and the most kind of meaningful tribute was from uh, Lionel Messi, who scored scored the fourth goal, I believe, in his. Uh, yeah. Who were they playing again? Uh Osasuna. Osasuna at home. Messi scored the fourth goal, and uh, went to celebrate. Went over to the side, took off his Barcelona shirt to reveal the new old boys shirt that Diego Maradona once wore, with that number ten on the back. And it was the picture of him pulling his own shirt back on over the top, and the, and the number tens were just aligned perfectly. Just half of the half of the old boys shirt and half of the Barcelona shirt. It was, I, I'd I'd say it might be up there with sporting pictures this year. Not even mm. football, but one of the best sporting pictures this year. Because it, it was just that. What what what? I mean, we're, are we under the same uh, opinion here? Was it? Did we think the same of this kind of tribute, or was there any others that caught the eye? Uh, I, th- I think Napoli's as well was was pretty awesome. special. And the Boca Juniors one, where the players went over and applauded to Maradona's daughter, who was just in tears. I thought that was very, very heartwarming. That one, and Napoli came up with a new, um, a new fourth strip, which is basically yeah, the Napoli badge, but it was basically an Argentinian kit with the darker shorts and the the white and blue stripes. I think that was a very nice one as well. But I think they were all touching. To be fair, I, I think it just shows the true impact that he, you know, how good a footballer he was. That he's mm. touched, he's touched everywhere. You know. Celebrations in Spain, celebrations in Italy. There were celebrations in England as well, and of course in his native Argentina. I think, yeah, very fitting. Uh, with that, we, we, well, there wasn't a lot of action over uh, the weekend. To be honest, Griezmann's got a cracking goal because so clearly he listens to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atletico got... won, which is quite good considering that um, they're the only team who haven't lost a game yet in La Liga. Uh, They've never even been behind in a game. Yeah. That's mad. So, That's genuinely mad. They're a very good team. They are. And I'm looking forward to them playing Bayern in the week. Dortmund, speaking because... of Bayern, Dortmund lost. So they've kind of lost footing in the title race with Bayern. They are four points behind after Bayern won. Lewandowski scoring again, obviously. 
PSG were held by Bordeaux ahead of their uh, clash with Man United, which I think if Man United win on uh, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, you guys are playing through. Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. I think. I think. I think if you win, then PSG go third potentially. United only need one more point to qualify, but obviously that that sounds easy. But the, the two games will be Leipzig and PSG, so I think it'll be a very very interesting end to the group yeah. stage, especially with some key absentees on both sides. Mm, very good point. Uh, any other uh, fixtures we want to talk up in the Champions League this week? I realise I've not looked at any, which I probably should have done in preparation for this podcast, but. That's how we do things at MJ Sport. Everything last minute. Ajax Liverpool will be good. No, Ajax are fantastic. Yeah, they dominated again at the weekend. It was a 5 0 win they had. Liverpool have obviously poor against Atalanta in the last week. They will, I think they will still qualify in the Champions League, no problem. But I think it's, it should be a very entertaining game to watch as well. And it'll be interesting to see how Jurgen Klopp lines up because there's kind of that feeling now that he throws away these kind of competitions at times in the cup competitions and he focuses on the league. So. Massive game like this, a lot of key injuries. It'll be interesting to see who makes the cut. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, Gladbach Inter, to be honest. I mm-hmm. think that's yeah. the sense of the game, game of the week for, for me, just in terms of what it could actually mean for that group. Because Can you imagine Inter and Real are third and fourth? <laughs> and Shakhtar and Munchen Gladbach go through. Shakhtar get another result against Real Madrid. Oh my God. <laughs> Rangers qualify top of their group, get drawn to Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, talk about first place finishes, honestly. It, 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 it doesn't work for everyone, as Celtic have proven us. Uh, th- Thursday's ga- Wednesday's games, sorry, are a bit lesser. I feel like all the biggest actions on uh, Tuesday, to be honest, Atletico Bayern, Gladbach, Inter. Porto Man City could be good, potentially, but it's mm. in the Champions League. They've already so, qualified as well. Yeah, and uh, Liverpool Ajax has a bit more to speak about it. Dortmund Lazio could be quite good. Tiro uh, and Mobley, of course, going back to Signal Iduna Park, having once played there. And a hot better form himself. Chelsea away to Sevilla could be an interesting game to watch after the first encounter between these two finish nil nil. That could kind of set the precedent for who wins the group, depending on who gets a result in that one. Uh yeah, no, fair, fair few decent games this week in the Champions League. Europa League, Celtic away to Milan. <laughs> Do you know what, right? I'm I'm gonna say this right now and put my neck on line. Oh, Celtic no. will win this game. Celtic will be isn't it? Yeah, go for it. Like that's that's the that's the form. That is the form. There's no way Celtic will win two out of eleven matches and Lennon will keep the job. Like this this will be the game they win. Everything has gone so poorly in recent times. And now that the Europa League Celtic are out of it after back to back defeats, they'll go and beat AC Milan in Italy. There's there's my prediction. Sean, do you agree? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same. Come no. on, guys. We, come on, guys. This has gone nearly an hour. We haven't said anything controversial yet. I had to. I had to take that one. That's good for us, Stuart. We don't want to say anything controversial. This is this is good. I still think that even if they go, um, like when they lose that game on Thursday and they go two and eleven, I don't think that uh, Lennon will be sacked. I I don't know what it's going to take really. I just think that maybe the Scottish Cup final. I was going to say a defeat to Hearts, and that surely is. He, he got offered the job in the Shivers after the last Scottish Cup final. He's getting sacked in the Shivers for this one. That would paint a lovely when, picture, wouldn't it? When, so. when do you think the league is officially gone? Well. Do you think that's yeah, if, if the league can become? Because you if, could argue it is gone already. If, but if Lenny doesn't go can. by New Year, if if Lenny's not gone by New Year, it's, it's Rangers League. I'm sorry. I don't know. I can still see. I can honestly still see Celtic turn that round. Nah, so I think I think like, it's in their hands. Played. Yeah. Five points. What's to suggest they get a result in these games? No, I know, but I'm just saying it is only five points with games in hand. So if they if they do win those games in hand, then five points really isn't that much, especially considering how Rangers. And they're not tend playing Aberdeen away in one of those games, or is it at home they've played uh, Aberdeen? Must be at home because they just played Aberdeen away, didn't they? I think at home. Um, but I think what's the one against Aki's or something like that? Or no, they maybe squared that one up. I don't know. Uh, um, no, I think I think you're right. I think Aki's makes sense because it's, it's just the three clubs that have been hit hardest by the virus. Yeah. It's the three of them. So true. Aye, so are we back in Rangers though? Uh, against aye, home at Standard Liège. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh aye. I think oh, Rangers top the group. Rangers top the group and yeah. get a Champions League knockout. Would I don't you can if you top your group, do you? I think it's second things? place gets the Champions League knockout. Yeah. Oh well, there you go then. So, so just a uh, round the sixteen game against 
Real Madrid or PSG or Inter Milan or whoever. Fun Easy and games. games. <laughs> Could draw Lille or AC Milan. Oh God! Could imagine, imagine. <laughs> just proving again that they can go above and beyond whatever Celtic do. Uh, that's going to be all from us this week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Football Roundup. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the Energy Sport Podcast feed wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter to keep up to date with all of our sports content. And that's at ENRG Sport. Uh, thank you very much to Struan and Sean for joining me today. Be sure to check out Extra Time and the Fancy Ramble later in the week. But until then, my name is Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.